Hey everyone and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host Max Bowen and joining me folks, it has been one year since we last spoke and so much has happened. International singer-songwriter, performer, and many other titles that I, we, we, we don't have time for today. Hira joins me. Welcome back to the show. It is so cool to have you here. Thank you, Max. It's always a pleasure to come back on the show, and I'm excited for what's in store with today. Oh, so much in store. So much in store. We have so much to, to dive into with new music and some really, really big news. I want to start first with, though, you have been making a lot of waves in the music awards world. You recently won the Icon Award, and your song Feel Alive won the best in North America pop music. In addition to that, you were also... <laughs> You also won the Female Single of the Year in 2021 from the ISSA and Entertainer of the Year from Rampage Music Awards and many more. Like, like the list on your on your bio is like a page long. My question to you is how does that kind of make you feel? Does it make you approach your future work differently when you have all these awards? Um, first off, off the bat, I have to say it's an incredible honor to have your music uh, be recognized. To win even like a semi-finalist or finalist already brings speaks volumes that people recognize and appreciate your work. So any achievement is something that we take close to heart because it means that we're not only giving, get stepping in the right direction and producing quality music, but it also enables fans to hear about the song. And then that's where primarily our focus is for more people to hear about the music and get positively impacted by it. I think the good thing with um, the achievements that we've achieved over the year is that um, I'm no, I no longer feel pressured by receiving awards. Like I used to get very uh, anxious and worried as I kept winning some awards and I was like, oh my God, maybe I'll never win <laughs> a, a, like for any other song. Maybe it's just going to be feel alive. Maybe that's my, that's, that's it. That's my peak. And like, uh, I was so scared to release new music. I was questioning whether people would like it or not. And, and then uh, my songs like Morning Light, like Autumn won awards. And then recently, like literally three days ago, my song Attention Island won bronze award for like best music video. So I'm like, okay, so it's, it's really cool. Uh, it makes, it enables us to uh, put our work out there because I think it just drives us to do our work more. It gives us more opportunity. And that's what's more important. It's not about the recognition per se. It's the fact what comes with it. How can you use that uh, new like responsibility to spread your work more? So yeah, I'm glad I'm less stressed about it. <laughs> I think it's kind of weird. I'm so sorry. I'm probably the only musician like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. <laughs> but yeah. No, I would feel the same way too because if I it, like if I suddenly won a bunch of awards for the show, I would be so self-conscious. Like, am I interviewing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? And et cetera, et cetera. You know, it definitely puts some pressure. How do you get over any kind of feelings of doubt though? Like, you know, or any feelings of being like really self-conscious about your music? I'm going to sound like a old wise person time heals everything <laughs> because like time really as time passes you realize like you know what the things that I thought mattered uh didn't really matter like 
it doesn't matter if Feel Alive is my best song. You know what? That just means people love it more, but that doesn't mean other songs that I produce is not great. A lot of different people have come back to me over the year. We've put out seven songs in the past one year and people have come back to me saying, oh my God, I like this song now. I like this song now. So it's like different people have different opinions. And the reason why we have such a wide array of genres of music is so that different people can grow and connect with the music. When you began releasing music and we're getting more and more attention, did you think, hmm, am I going to start like winning some awards for this stuff? I, it, I, it's not something that we never expected, I, that I can say, because like I said, so the thing with the Intercontinental Music Awards was um, I submitted for it like a while back. So I, I didn't even, I forgot which of the ones I submitted for. And I was scrolling through Facebook. There was someone who posted, oh my God, I'm a finalist for this category. And I saw the post on Facebook and I was like, wow, this sounds like a great award show to submit for. I wish I had submitted for it. And then I, then I went back home later and I checked my email and I was like, oh, so I did submit for it. Like, like I, I checked through the website and I was a finalist too. And that was already like such a huge thing because I was a finalist for uh, Best in North America for pop. And to be in the running with other artists who were like, Grammy considered was already something that I was like, okay, to be a finalist, that that's it. That's all that we're going to get. And the award show, I remember because it was in California, the time difference meant that it was 3 a.m. for me, although it's noon for them. Uh, and and I think I do, I miraculously don't know how. I had a safe meeting at the same time with my uh, board at Harvard, where I'm like the director of communications. So I had like a Zoom call at the corner, uh, watching the award show, and then like discussion on all our fall events as students, like the student government. So two events going on the same time, and then the announcement came for Best in North America for Pop, and I won. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay. And I was so nervous. I think I messed up the acceptance speech. I fumbled continuously because I was just so disoriented, but so happy that we won and I thought that's it that that's like the peak of what we're gonna do winning best in North America is great uh that's all I'm gonna get and then like later on in that day I found out I won their overall icon award and I just lost my mind I, I just I <laughs> like that was even more something that I didn't even think was possible so I think it's nice to be surprised in a good way uh but end of the day I'm coming back to the point where I'm not writing music to win awards. I'm writing music to change people, to move something in people, to get them to discover about themselves. So the awards are like happy accidents. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, something you mentioned that I want to ask about was working at Harvard University. So you are, uh, you are the director of communications at the Harvard Extension Student Association. How did this happen and what's your role exactly? Yeah, okay. So from our last conversation, oh my God. So I'm officially an undergrad at Harvard. So even that journey had a lot of uh, heartbreak and tears <laughs> and near misses. So the fact that I'm actually an undergrad means a lot to me because it's a cumulative effort of not only myself, but so many people around me, my family, my friends, my mentors. So uh, as I became an admitted degree candidate, one of the things that I wanted to do was to see how I could give back and also grow our international community at Harvard Extension School. So I ended up becoming the director of communications, uh, which 
means allies with like the student body, making sure that everybody is communi- like is, gets all the information communicated on time. Uh, so it's been fun. I think it's been a few couple of months now. Uh, I've met students from Europe and from Asia uh, and of course in the U.S. across the country in the U.S. as well, who are excited to see how we're growing the virtual presence of our community because Harvard Extension School students come, they're adult learners from around the world. Uh, so to be able to facilitate to their needs, to what they want experience like as a university student, I think that's something that's exciting that we get to do as a board. So, yeah. Nice. Now, are you like physically like in Harvard in Boston? Not yet. Uh, very soon. <laughs> uh, next month, actually. So that'll be my first trip to campus, which I'm very excited. <laughs> also a bit terrified because it is fall and I'm bracing myself for winter. I know you would be like, that's not winter here. <laughs> that's just fall. Uh, but yeah, I'm bracing myself for the cold. <laughs> Every New England listener right now is chuckling, thinking, oh, if only you were coming in January, that's how you experience the true cold of Boston. So you must understand, I'm from a tropical country. Like Malaysia is literally on the equator. Our temperature is the same all year round. Like your your spring is colder than our <laughs> coldest season. So even for spring, I was like panicky and now I'm going in fall. So I definitely don't want to experience winter. I think I'm good in fall. Okay. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> well, while you're in Boston, a few things you've got to do. Okay, first off, you've got to check out as many music venues as, as possible because the scene there is so vibrant and it's back now, which is a wonderful thing to see. You got to have some pizza while you're in Boston. Simple oh, as yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, you got to go to Faneuil Hall. I think that that's kind of a Boston thing. You go to Faneuil Hall, see the city at night because the, the cityscape is so absolutely gorgeous. I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of things to do. Don't drive. Whatever you do, okay. do not drive. <laughs> it's not worth it. I don't think I can. Our driver's license is like the opposite side of the road. So uh, like, I'll just well, actually, take it that way. Well, might be okay then, actually. <laughs> You, oh, because you're on the opposite side of the road? <laughs> because everyone in Boston knows how to drive? Come on. It's it's complete madness over there. Subway. We'll stick to the subway. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So so what would be bringing you to Boston, though? Oh, um, that, that news is unreleased yet. Uh, we're making <laughs> – so I, I, we've yet to officially release that news, but uh, – we're making a trip to New York. And since we were like, hey, this is my first trip to the U.S., I would love to go to Boston and meet all the amazing friends I've made over the year. Hmm. So, First trip to the U.S. That's obviously yes. a big thing. I'm curious, do you see like your music career kind of keeping you in the U.S.? Do you think you're going to mostly like stay in Malaysia? What's your What's your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. I've never been asked this question. <laughs> um, with... A lot of the recognition my music has been getting in the U.S. and with a lot of growing fan base in the U.S., it's some place that I'm hoping to frequently visit, visit, as well as I think the array of talents that are in the U.S., like some of the best songwriters. I'm excited to one day make a trip to Nashville uh, to just see how it's like to collaborate with other people. And I think the cool thing is that people are diverse and many people from different countries come to the U.S. as well. So you're not only mixing and learning from American song culture, but you might even meet European and Asian as well. I think it's cool to be able to collaborate. Uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. And of course, I think collaboration, one thing that we've learned from the pandemic is it's not limited to physical presence. Like I 
Last year, I did a song with Autumn Helene, who was from Washington in the U.S. So despite like a 15, 16 hour time difference, we still got to work together to produce a song that we're both proud of and that ended up receiving four awards, which I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, this is not something that I expected, <laughs> neither did Autumn. So, and it was nice to build that friendship and connection. Uh, so yes, looking, I have to go to Washington to see Autumn in person. That's a, that's a to-do list for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> what does it mean to you to kind of have that presence in your, in your home country? It's nice to be able to give back to my home country. So like growing up, I remember that in class, we would learn about Malaysian icons, people who would uh, achieve something at a global stage and put Malaysia on the map. So we had people like uh, Dato Nicole David. Uh, her name is Nicole David. She's the world number one squash player for nine consecutive years. So she's obviously retired. We had a Malaysian singer who's gone global and sang with Usher. Her name was Yuna. So like I remember doing research about all these amazing Malaysians and kept thinking like, I would like to do that for my country too. So to be able to get recognition, not only overseas, but also in my country just warms my heart because it's something that little Hira at nine years old always wanted. At the same time, I hope that it inspires people because it's it's nice to be able to inspire people to follow their hearts and take their passions seriously. Uh, it's, it's nice to be able to give credibility to people like, hey, you know what? Uh, if you work hard, you're going to make this music thing successful. And I've, I've seen that with a lot of parents coming up to me and be like, I told my eight-year-old daughter about you. Again, it's, it's very heartwarming, slightly stressful <laughs> because I'm like, I am a role model for a bunch of eight-year-olds. Oh no, I got to do my job right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's heartwarming because they get a very close to home uh, role model. They get a close to home experience that they can relate to. So yeah, I would feel sheer panic if someone said, hey, you know, my like child looks up to you and be like, what do I do now? <laughs> I mean, I, I love kids, so that that's like, all right. I, the, I think the funny thing about working with kids, so uh, with the company that I founded, Ascendance, and even on a personal basis, I conduct music performance classes. So these two uh, areas of passion and careers overlap that where I get to work a lot with young kids, uh, teenagers as well. But I've, I find it humorous and hilarious working with kids. So they will come up to me and be like, here, are you just a teenager? Uh, you know what? You're not an adult. I can't listen to you. And I, I have to break it to them. I'm sorry. I am 23. I'm, I'm not a teenager. Because to a six-year-old, they don't know any better. Any adult, like they can't gauge the age difference. And then they're like, oh, you're an adult? Like it's like suddenly like, like they're, they're serious. And they're like, oh my God, okay, I better practice my piano. So I don't know. <laughs> These are all the funny things that happen in class so yeah that that's hilarious and speaking of which though along with all the other awards you were also named as part as among uh, prestige malaysia's 40 under 40 for the most successful innovative and influential young people i'm curious about what the legacy is of that title uh, particularly for the next generation so that was i don't even have the words to describe it that that was just uh, out of this world, like to be able to get that recognition, to be able to be named as uh, Prestige Malaysia's 40 under 40, one of the people on the list. Um, again, I would like to think of it as like an opportunity to influence positive impact on people because that means people are looking up to you and that means that you have a responsibility to inspire and do your best for people as well. So like the whole experience of that was 
happily overwhelming like some again some these are things you won't expect to happen so soon like you always dream of it as a kid like you know I want to come out on TV or I want to do this and then when it actually happens I think it it changes how you look upon yourself like like I realized oh my god I am that singer like I am that person that is representing my country like like wow I never thought I'd, I'd get here and and again is I would like to emphasize I think a lot of people just see me as a musician and they're like oh, okay you did it yourself but there's like 30 people every day supporting what I do and that's my team at ET Ideas but one thing I would like to address is the misconception people have with team a lot of times people see an artist and they think people work for an artist. Like if you, if I say my team, people think, oh, your team works for you. I got it. No, they don't. Uh, so like how ETIDIS works is we're more like a family. So that means they're helping me out with my career, but I'm also helping out with their career. So like literally after this meeting, I'm doing slides for somebody else's event. And like the next day I'm volunteering at somebody else's booth to talk about their company. And then like on Monday, they're helping me out at my event. So it's really like an ecosystem that's collaborative, that understands that we're all heading towards the similar goal of impacting people. So it's not like you work for me, I'm the boss. No, like everybody works against the growth. So yeah. When it comes to working with people, what do you look for? Uh, people who are passionate and people who are aligned with our goals. I think that's important to find an environment of people who resonate with you. And again, thanks to the globe, to the internet, we get to connect with people that you may not even be accessible to because they live in a different region or different part of the country or even in a different country that the pandemic and the internet has broaden our mindset to reach out to them. So I'm very lucky that uh, our team is now spread across Malaysia, so in various states around the country. And what unites us is our goal of building the young about how we can inspire and engage Gen Zs to actually come up with solutions that can solve world problems. Because my passion is changing the world of music, but I can't sing climate change away. <laughs> like, I still need someone, I need some youngster to be able to solve global warming, find the solutions to end poverty. But hopefully by all of us uh, inspiring people to follow their hearts, because all of us have various careers. I'm a singer, there's another friend of mine who's a award-winning film director. Uh, so like, like there's another person who's passionate about business and accounting. So if everybody's just working on their passion, then those youngsters who have the solution to solve world problems and those are their passion, those ideas can flourish. So we're all united by that goal. Unfortunately, unless you're like a Disney character, I do not see you singing away climate change. <laughs> I, I would love to see a, like a musical about that, like go away climate change. And I'm like, okay, I'm gone. <laughs> that would be hilarious, but no, Give it time. not it, yet. Give it time. I'm sure we'll see that someday. I am sure we will. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about music, because in the past year, you have released a lot of amazing singles. We mentioned this earlier, and I want to touch on it more. Your single, Morning Light, that you did with Autumn Helene, that the two of you did together, I should say. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you get connected? <laughs> so how Autumn and I started noticing each other was our names kept popping up as finalists and we ended up winning awards in our respective categories at multiple award shows. Like we were all in the young adults category, uh, like Autumn, and like I noticed Autumn, she was winning an award and she noticed me. And like, it was at a multiple events virtually and 
we just reached out to each other. It's like, hey, I think what you do is cool. Uh, keep keep doing that. And then like the idea of a collab eventually came as we uh, grew to become more than just Facebook friends. Uh, we grew to be actual friends. And the fun part about work, working on a collab with Autumn was at the time, both of us had yet to produce our own song. So this was like a big uh, learning curve for both of us on how do you actually produce a song, let alone produce a song for two people halfway across the planet from each other. So a lot of uh, working together, leveraging on each other's strengths, asking opinions from each other. Do you think this sounds great? Nah, well, this sounds perfect, put it in. So lots of trial and error. I still remember uh, we even did the vocal recordings together. Like we would Zoom. And so she would hear how I recorded vocals and then like she would stack them up. There were some parts where I laughed during the recording, which we accidentally kept in the like demo track and it cracked us up to suddenly hear cackling between me and Autumn just laughing because we said some silly joke. So lots of really fond memories and a very big learning curve for us. It really grew our confidence as producers because it's something that we were both proud of to put out. Wow. And that's a Thanksgiving song. So, yeah. And it's an absolutely amazing song. How would you say your styles like mesh together and how would you say you two stand apart? We both have very powerful yet distinctly different voices. So I highly recommend listening to Autumn's music. I am in love with not only her voice and stage presence, but also her songwriting. And that's where we're similar. Both of us put real a lot of emphasis on the meaning behind the lyrics that we write. So when we were co-writing on Zoom, I remember I was done with one of my classes. It was like early in the morning for me, it was like late at night for her, it was around summer. Uh, so we were just reflecting on the things we were currently learning and going through and we came up lyrics to Morning Light. Uh, and Morning Light talks about how, even if you have the most terrible day, you're going through a rough period, it will eventually pass and you will still find hope in the new day. Things will get better. Even if like, take your worst day, like if like the worst thing in the world has happened to you, but it still gets better with the passing of each and every day. So you just have to hold on to the faith that things will get better. So yeah, that's what keeps us uh, aligned and united is the fact that we really feel songs can change the world and we're really particular about the lyrics we write. Oh, and there's one point, I think, towards the end of the song where you two just like cut loose with like your vocals. Yeah. You just go up to like 11. <laughs> I was like, damn, that is amazing. Yeah, because we were just having fun. Like, I honestly didn't think much about the recording. I was just like, can you do that? Can we do this? Can can you hit that note? Can I hit this note? And Autumn had like beautiful stacked harmonies with the whole thing. So we just, we didn't even think much about it. We were just producing our first song. We didn't know the do's and don'ts. We didn't know you should do this. You shouldn't do that. We were just listening to the track and thinking, hmm, what would make the track sound great? Could we cut the instruments off this point? Could we add an extra thing here? And that's how the song came up. Mm. Is there anyone on your must collab with list? If I say it, does that mean it won't come true? <laughs> um, nah, nah, it's fine. If you say it and they hear it, then it has to happen. I don't. Okay. Um, I would love to collab. I think one, per, one group of people that I feel have 
brought significant impact to the world that I would love to meet and hopefully collab one day is with Coldplay because I think they've helped so many people with their music for decades and they're still relevant, they're still uplifting. Um, and that's kind of the artist everyone strives to be in a way, right? People, and that's what, who I strive to be, people who can constantly deliver impact with and still be relevant to each generation. I think that's something that's remarkable of them. Yeah. There are some artists that I listened to back when I was in college, which is about oh, 20 years ago, and they're still touring today. And to accomplish that, especially I think in this day where, you know, tastes change so quickly. Yes. I think, wow, they, I mean, they're amazing. Just like to have that staying power for so many years. The fact that they can evolve with the music trends, yet still stay true to their purpose of impacting people with their lyrics, which something that I resonate with, with my mission of changing the world music too. So they are great inspirations. Speaking of evolving, how do you think you're evolving? <laughs> you're asking really great questions, Mac. <laughs> um, this is the first year that I got to produce like, we're leading up to an album. So this year uh, I produced seven songs, which is like a record for me, considering I normally put out one song a year or like at the most two. So to be able to record uh, seven songs in various genres meant a lot of growth for me as an artist and as a performer, because I got to learn a lot of things in the recording studio uh, while we're working on the arrangement. I got to learn so many things that I didn't know about. Uh, it was the first time I was doing an R&B song uh, that I got to, which is called Attention Island, which I got to really experiment the vocal range, uh, really learn the groove of it and the feel of it, realizing that that song had an emphasis on vocal performance. Uh, I got to do ballads like Fall In and like an acoustic soft pop version of like Peter Pan. So like different, I got to exper experiment a lot with tonality and how I could deliver my singing. So a lot of my singing styles was something I got to uncover this year. Like I didn't even know I could sing like how I sounded on Peter Pan or Fall In. I, I did a song, like it was a funk song called Across the Universe with Harvard Songwriters. Again, so many different genres that I'm having fun exploring and learning how to sing those songs, learning the hooks and crooks of it, and also learning about arrangement. That's something that's been really fun. What would you say has been your favorite new thing to do musically out of all the songs you've done? I like growing with each song, and I like... Uh, seeing what makes each song unique. So like in the forefront of our mind, when we're in the studio and producing a track, I'm looking at, is this song enjoyable? Is this song something that's uh, like has a hook that's so catchy and it warms my heart. So because with that end goal in mind, because we want to make sure that people enjoy the songs, then they can get the message from the songs. So trying to be creative with each song that you produce has been a fun process. And that has led to many, again, happy accidents because many of the things were not planned, but there was something that came up within the studio uh, to act before the track was out. So like even with like Peter Pan, some of the ad-libs that we did in the end were something that never occurred to me. And I wrote Peter Pan when I was 15. So the song is like, like seven years old. So for the song to actually be out is already such a big thing for me. And the fact that we could make it something that I'm really proud of, the sound. So yeah, that, that makes it a very rewarding process. Peter Pan was such a great song. I listened to that prior to us talking now and I just loved it. I just knew it again and again and again. So you wrote that at 15? Wow. 
Yeah, so the, the it, it sparked because when I just had watched Peter Pan again, like I, I love the movie and I was always obsessed with the fact of finding Neverland. And I think around that time, I really didn't want to grow up because in my mind, most people who were international superstars were popular singers by the time they were 14 or 15. And I was sad Disney didn't call my house. But of course, Disney couldn't call my house because I didn't even put up a YouTube channel. I barely did any shows. I didn't even write a song. My life only changed because I met ET Ideas, which are my mentors till today, because they got me not only in a conducive and productive environment, but they also got me to see how I can take action while staying, staying grounded. So with all the expectation of like, previously of, oh, somebody's going to call me. Like, I was so scared of growing up because does that mean my dreams are over before it's begun? Uh, so like, I know, right? So such a melodramatic 16-year-old. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so, but I wrote Peter Pan because I was like, maybe I can find Peter Pan. I can stay young forever. And I was pretty upset already because apparently Santa Claus doesn't come to Asia and then now Peter Pan couldn't find Asia too and like so we were like is there something wrong with where I stay <laughs> all, all like so I tried to write the song as a guide to find Peter Pan and I wrote it when I was in school and I've performed it over the years so the fact that it's finally a properly studio produced song it's very very I don't even know how to describe it it's very very touching <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you change a lot about the song from what you wrote back when you were 15? No. Really? <laughs> we wow. did it. Yeah. Wow. Also, that is a depressing notion about Santa Claus and Peter Pan not, not being able to find Asia. That's, that's just a sad yeah. thought. Like, like it doesn't snow here. Like as a kid who's watching all these, uh, I think things have changed with Netflix and the uh, global movie industry. I think that we're watching movies from different cultures and different countries. We're getting more exposed globally. But back then I only used to watch Western movies and most times American movies and you'd see snowing, uh, you know, and like, you know, Santa Claus would come, the Easter Bunny would come, you know, Peter Pan would come. So I'm like, are they missing out <laughs> on Asia? Like, like maybe he can't find my house because I don't have a chimney. <laughs> Is it that why? Like I, maybe he can't fly in through my window because we have grills on our window. Is that why Peter Pan can't come to my house? So like, I had so much of overthinking. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, a little bit, a little bit of overthinking there. I'm pretty sure they would, you know, figure something out. Um, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Any other songs from your younger years that you're hoping to get produced someday? So the next song that I'm working on, oh man, I can't tell, like, I can't say it like that. Then they'll know what's the next song and there's no anticipation. (laughs) Let me think. One song that I'm hoping to produce one day from my younger years uh, is this song called Hearts and Skulls, which is something that I wrote um, I think I, at the time when I wrote the song, I just, the idea sparked because I saw like a bunch of emojis on my phone and I was like, you know what, haha, <laughs> it so funny to write a song called Hearts and Skulls because it's two very contrasting and polar opposites of emojis. Uh, but the song slowly developed into a story of how the world would be like if we didn't follow our hearts. Like if we weren't peop- a society that follows our hearts, we would be a society that's secretly dead inside and it's so important because throughout life people are struggling to find who they are and if only they could see who they're meant to be the world would be a more loving and happier place if not we'd literally just be left with skulls 
so it's mm-hmm. so depressing. <laughs> but yeah, so the whole song talks about how people from different generations are lost in the search of themselves. And sometimes they, they never find their way. And hopefully the song gives them a way to find who they are. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. I like that. All right. And we definitely have to talk about Across the Universe. Uh, this is something that I, that I recently featured as part of my weekly playlist. And this Thank is a you, beautiful yeah. song. I, I heard that. I was like, oh, this is, this is real. This is powerful. This was written for the Harvard Undergraduate Songwriters Collective's 2022 album. Definitely worth checking out, folks. Um, this song, though, where does, the, where does it originate? Like, where does the concept come from? So the cool thing about going to Harvard is that I get to learn things that are relevant to my career. So I'm not the typical undergrad. I I went into university after five years of working and building my career. So I'm not those people who are after a degree. I'm taking the opportunity to actually grow my music as well as ascendance to the next level. So the cool thing was uh, early this year in spring, uh, I signed up to be a part of Harvard Songwriters uh, Collectives Club uh, so that we could just meet other songwriters and see how we can work together. And I remember the first club meeting that I went for, they gave us a prompt, can you write a song with numbers in it? And for me, it was the number million, you know, I was thinking, you know what, a million miles apart. So I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. So I just wrote the song and I, I wrote like a little bit of it and I just kept it in a songbook and that was it. Like I didn't think much about it. And at that same time, I was taking technomusicology at Harvard as one of my sub-courses in semester, that semester. Yeah. So I, I really love the classes by Professor Wayne Marshall. So that was the first time I was really learning about Ableton, really learning about song structures, giving me a lot of confidence in myself that I had the ability to, to arrange a song. So that was, I think, like my first fully produced song that I was proud of across the universe. So as like, while I was learning about technomusicology, uh, Harvard songwriters were like, hey, we're putting out an album. Would you like to contribute a song? And I was like, you know what? Since the first prompt they gave me was to write this song with a number in it, why don't I build off that song? Why, do I, why don't I make it like a real song, like a full song? Uh, so while I was learning about technomusicology, I put in my arranger skills, so song production skills, and I put together some instruments, I stacked some vocals up, and that's how the song came about. And I remember this vocals, I think I had it recorded in an hour because my family was going on holiday and they were like, they were leaving at 12 p.m. So I was like, okay, I got an hour back in the pack to got to record the song. And it was something that was really, I really loved the tone, the vibe. Uh, I loved the musicality of it. So yeah, it's just really groovy. I love it. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely love that song. When I when I, when I first heard, it, I thought, man, this this is such a just a very like vibing song. You know, I heard it, I was like, yeah, connecting with it. I was like, yep, yep, definitely keeper. But you did mention Ascendance, and we talked about that in the last interview. This is an international youth organization which you which you co-founded. It's impacted over thirty five thousand students across twenty eight countries. It received the Diana Award <laughs> for social and humanitarian work. What is new with the sentence, though? Because I know this has been a big year for the for the group, too. So one of the nice things about Ascendance is that it's fully run by Gen Zs who are 9 to 20 
years old, which means I'm officially like I've stepped down as their COO. So I'm their advisor. So the team is really run by kids who are like 13, who are 15, who are 12, who are juggling homework and family and also thinking about how they're going to change the world, which is remarkable. So to be able to be attending a meeting where all the gen sets got it covered, I'm just there to just like just give few finishing notes that's something that is mind-boggling because that means like they have the power to change the future and that's what SNN strives to do is to empower our generation so that they can become the future leaders they can become the future innovators uh, they can be the future entrepreneurs and these are important because you want to give young people the hope and belief that they have the capability to not only change their life but their community too. So, yeah, Ascendance has grown a lot. <laughs> oh, that, that's so cool. And it really is nice to see the next generation so just empowered and really pushing to change things. You know, they're not just giving saying, oh, well, you know, it'll be what it's going to be. No, they're saying, no, we know we can do better. Let's make things better. And whether it's holding rallies or just trying to get things changed to make things safer, it really is a, a wonderful thing to see. One thing that's nice about Ascendance is we're not focused on let me rethink how to say that. One thing that's nice about Ascendance is our focus is more on empowering people to do their best. So our focus is not putting up rallies or fighting or overthrowing people. Our focus is finding, ensuring the students can find their inner potential, like overcoming the, their own belief system, because a lot of them don't even think they can do well in school. They don't even see, uh, they can't even find their passion because they don't believe they have something to contribute. So when we can awaken their inner potential and say, you know what, you have an amazing passion, whether you're gonna become an entrepreneur, whether you're gonna become a scientist, whether you're gonna become an athlete or an artist, it doesn't matter as long as you take the effort to find your passion and really ignite that passion. So once they discover their inner capabilities, things are to change, they become better communicators to their teachers, to their parents. They are able to perform better at school because now their confidence is increased. Like we've seen a lot of kids representing their school, their state, even the country, because now they believe they have something valuable to contribute to society. And we want to spread inspiration and hope. So that's something that's nice about Ascendance is that you see a nine-year-old editing videos and make like he has this serious look on his face because he believes responsibilities on his shoulders and he edits this video super professionally and likewise with every youngster that we work with they're our operations team like they're the ones talking with teachers they're our design team they're the ones designing all our visuals so the fact that they now see it as their responsibility to make up their generation is empowering because like we started a sentence seven years ago and my peers are now in university and that's where I'm focusing my impact on. But that means who's gonna continue impacting the 12 year olds and the 15 year olds. So the fact that we've inspired enough people to actually lead SNS now, that's incredible. Hmm. You know, given that you are also in calls right now too, has this changed your outlook for what you wanna do with your life? So again, uh, I would say at the moment, no, because whatever I'm learning in school, I find incredibly relevant to my day-to-day -day life. So like literally yesterday, I, I had a class on improving corporate ESG reporting and whatever I'm learning from class is so relevant to the impact reports SNS is producing. It's so relevant to the presentations that we're 
doing to our stakeholders, to our corporate partners. So then tomorrow I have a class on marketing management and I get to see how we can improve SNS's brand. How can we target our audience better? So, so much, so much of things that I'm learning is incredibly relevant because I've built my career over five years as SNS's former COO and as a singer songwriter. So it's no longer theory. It's something I get to immediately apply. And I think that's the exciting part about education. It's really about growing my mindset, growing my knowledge and skills. So, yeah. Now, all this, of course, is amazing news. And certainly you have been doing a lot. But there is other things, too, because I also read that you're gearing up to release your debut album. Yeah. Please tell us all about this one. <laughs> so I think this is a myth that we should totally debunk. People see music as something that's uh, happy and empowering, and that's great. But being in the music industry is also quite expensive. <laughs> I'm sure in the entertainment industry, you know, even getting a microphone can cost like a couple of hundred dollars, and you're just talking about mediocre one. You're not talking about the editing softwares. So it takes a lot of funds to actually produce an album more funds than you'd actually earn from the industry, sad to say, at the moment as an independent artist. So, so one of the things that I've currently, we've done is we've launched a Patreon page. So where everyday people can support like a dollar or $2 a month, which may not seem like a lot to them, but it moves mountains for us as a team. Because you're not just supporting my music as an independent artist. You're supporting my education. You're supporting the 30 people behind the team who are working almost like without any compensation. They're like, they're not expecting compensation, but they're producing world-class efforts that should be paid for because their art is good and it's changing the world. Like our, we did a really... I think the team did a really amazing job with the Attention Island music video that it even won like the bronze award for best music video in San Diego at the Global Music Awards. But the team is like an, it's like a bunch of people in their 20s who are working hard, who are working on minimum pay and we should really reward what they do because what they do is not easy. Even I learned how difficult it is to edit a podcast. So now I know, oh my God, it's not just looping things together and there, ta-da, that's it. No, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of thought that goes into making it look easy and effortless. It takes hours of hard work and training. So I've launched the Patreon so that we can support my music, support the team behind that makes the music possible, uh, support the production of the album, as well as support my education. So I highly hope if you're able to support, take a step further in supporting and you want to be part of my journey of going global, Patreon is the place to check out. Uh, you can find me on patreon.com slash official. Uh, that's H-E-E-R-R-A-A official. Yeah, it, it helps us a lot because then I don't have to worry about, oh my God, will we have enough funds this month because my Patreon's got it covered. And I'm able to do so much more uh, quality production because I have Patreon supporting my work. Hmm. Wow. You've been doing a lot, but I'm curious as to what is next for you. What are your plans for the next year? <laughs> I haven't thought that far. Like... I, I hope to continue producing good music. I think that's something that I'm excited to get back into the studio. Uh, I'm excited to meet people around the world that whom I've managed to impact with their music. I'm excited to also work with the team and see where the team goes globally as well. Because you just hear all the entertainment and art stuff from me, but even in our team, there's people who are leading the forefront of business and entrepreneurship and finance. So I'm excited to follow them follow them on their adventures too. So even with Ascendance, uh, I got to travel quite a lot 
throughout the country because of SNS and our corporate partners. And we got to meet kids in uh, schools, in like villages who had not much exposure. So to be able to come and talk to them about the various career opportunities, to get them to see how they had the potential to change the world. So lots of exciting adventures uh, virtually as well as physically as well. So I'm excited to see what, 2020, 2023? Oh my God, 2022 is going to be doing it. <laughs> oh no. But 2022 has been a fab- fabulous and uh, amazingly, I don't even, how do I say this? It's been a fabulous uh, year and we're all very blessed for what a year it's been. And I'm excited to see what 2023 has in store. I'm not used to saying 2023. What? I just got used to 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, it does come to a close eventually, as does this episode. We have reached the end of our time. Hira, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been absolutely amazing, as always. And for the folks at home, you go to Hira.com, H-E-E-R-R-A-A. Follow her on Spotify. Uh, Follow her socials. The album, when it's out, buy your copy. Make this stuff happen, guys. Follow her Patreon and make all this happen. Thank you, Max. It's always a pleasure. See you guys next time. See, <laughs> see you uh, next year. <laughs> Hi, this is singer Kate Eppers, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. And that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Hero for joining me. I always enjoy talking to her and really check out the music. You're going to find something you love. I guarantee it. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get to me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check this show out wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. To close this out, enjoy Across the Universe, one of Hero's recent releases and part of Harvard's Underground Songwriters Collective. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.
no one else compares to the love we shared. Since the Big Bang wrong, probability none that I find you, baby. And here we are, so can you hear me, baby? Can you?